Well, we're going to begin a new series of, uh, of Bible teaching over the next um, few months and um, <clears throat> interspersed with other things which, which come along. But uh, we're going to be thinking about uh, the letters of Peter, uh, starting off with 1 Peter and then probably we'll proceed to 2, two Peter. And um, so I thought it would be good today, if, as by way of introduction, if we start with Peter himself. Uh, the man, and, and we know an awful lot about Peter uh, from the scriptures, and um, uh, you know, I don't think I'd like my life to be chronicled in quite such detail for millions of people to read, but Peter, bless him, we have him in the scriptures, warts and all, and uh, it will be a good idea to uh, let's uh, listen to him. Um, now, forgive, forgive me, those of you who uh, here, have been here regularly, uh, last summer, um, for one of our all-age services in the summer, we did actually focus on Peter then. So if you were here, uh, you might see a few of these pictures again, but you don't mind, do you? And as we've got lots of visitors, I'm sure you haven't all seen this. So perhaps you could put the PowerPoint on, Steve. There we go. There we are. Classic picture there of Jesus by the Sea of Galilee. And uh, Peter first appears in the scriptures in this well-known story of Jesus um, in Luke 5 and in, in the other Gospels as well by the Sea of Galilee, uh, and the miraculous catch of fish. You know, Peter had been trying to do it all himself, and nothing had happened, and Jesus just spoke a word, and, uh, you know, we got that famous phrase, what does this carpenter doing telling me how to catch fish? You know, um, there he goes. uh, And this is the first time that Peter really is mentioned, although not quite, because in Luke's Gospel... um, just before that, before Jesus meets Peter on the shore of the lake, he actually goes to Peter's, Peter's house and he kills his mother-in-law. Now, that's real love, isn't it? You know, Peter must be really grateful for... No, sorry, no mother-in-law jokes today. Um, but that, that's the first time that uh, we hear about Simon. Uh, Peter, he, Jesus heals his mother-in-law and then he calls him um, out of fishing to go and catch people. And so, uh, in the summer, we looked at, uh, like, this is your life, Peter. Um, how, uh, you know, the man with the red book comes out and goes through your life. I wonder how you'd feel if it happened to you. Hmm. So, the first thing about uh, Peter, we know that he was called by Jesus, by name, to, uh, to come and follow him. And, and one of the first things that Jesus, too, did was to, was to change his name uh, from Simon, because he was called Simon, which means listener, and he is renamed Peter, which means a rock. And uh, so he's given a new name and a new mission. Um, he is one of the apostles, and one of the disciples, that are uh, very close by uh, Jesus in particular. He's part of the inner wheel, if you like, the, the three, Peter, James and John, who are the closest to Jesus and so we hear uh, the story when Jesus is called to go and raise, uh, to, to heal Jairus' daughter, a synagogue ruler. Uh, Peter and James and John are amongst those three who are in those most intimate moments with Jesus when they see him at his, in, in his ministry. So he's, he's being mentored, isn't he, all the way through uh, by Jesus in order to prepare him for his future ministry. Peter um, uh, is then sent out with the twelve, uh, across and then eventually in Luke the 72 as well he's sent out and the word apostle means to be sent out so it's somebody who is called and then sent and that's exactly the same for us we are called by Jesus we're also sent out 
Peter was fully devoted to Jesus. He was a kind of an all-or-nothing man, wasn't he? Um, sadly, the nothing <laughs> came in too often. But uh, Paul, Peter is the kind of guy, I identify with Peter. He, he, he's the kind of guy that with, a, with a size 12 mouth. You know, every time he opened it, he put his foot in it, and if you've got feet as big as me, that means you've got a big mouth. He was impetuous. Um, um, actually, I noticed in the, in the contemporary English version, when it lists the disciples, it says, Peter, uh, known as the eager one. I think that would describe him very well, wouldn't it? The eager one. I'll go, Lord, I'll do it. Um, and then, um, when Jesus meets uh, the, 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 the young, rich young ruler... Um, Peter's the one who there says, Lord, we've left everything to follow you. He has. Peter's left all of his, his reputation, he's left his work, and off he goes to, to, to serve Jesus. Uh, then we have this lovely story in Matthew. All the different Gospels tell slightly different uh, aspects of Peter's life uh, of call to walk on water. He sees Jesus coming across the water, uh, and, and, and he says... Jesus, just call to me and, and I will come and meet you. And, and it works for a little while until Peter's faith falters and then he begins to sink into the waves and there we have Jesus rescues him. But, but that's, you've got to give him credit for having a go, haven't you? You know, I don't think when we meet, when we meet Jesus at the end of our lives he will actually criticise us for the, the things we've had a go at and failed. But maybe if the things that we haven't done, that we should have done, then that will be a different matter we need to answer for. But if we've had a go and we've failed, then that's okay. And I think Peter tells us this very much. Now, um, the, the key moment in the Gospel uh, is this confession by Peter. We were looking at it just a little few weeks ago the, uh, at Caesarea Philippi, when Peter blurts out and Jesus asks him the question, uh, Who do you say I am? And it's Peter who's straight out, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, uh, Peter, you didn't find it out yourself. God has revealed that to you. You are really blessed. You found out. Um, Peter is one of those uh, people. And then immediately after that, it's the three. Peter, James and John go up to the top of the mountain, selected by Jesus, and they meet there with Jesus and Moses and Elijah appear. What an incredible experience in Peter's life. And when we come to Peter's second letter, you will see, actually, he refers to that experience of, of you know, we were there at the time. A mountaintop experience. I hope that you're trying to sort of parallel this with your life. I mean, have you got similar things in your life? Maybe. Here we come. Here's the other side of Peter. Straight after this experience of Peter declaring who Jesus is, Jesus says, actually, now you've got it. I am the Son of God. I am the Messiah. And what's going to happen to me in the next few weeks is I'm going to go and uh, I'm going to go to Jerusalem and I'm going to be crucified and put to death. And Peter says, no, Lord, this will never happen to you. And there we have an Im a kind of a, an image that suggests Peter say, Jesus saying to Peter, get behind me, Satan. What a terrible thing to have to have on your conscience that Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. I don't think he's calling Peter Satan. I think he is saying Satan is using Peter to tempt him away from the path that he's called. Peter is severely rebuked because he hasn't, although he knows that Jesus is the Son of God and the Messiah, he hasn't yet grasped what that looks like. 
He would have read those uh, Isaiah passages about the servant, but they wouldn't have connected them with Jesus, the Messiah, um, because the Jewish people have, have not done so until quite recently when those people are beginning to see that Jesus really is the Messiah. And then um, in John's Gospel, we find that Peter has to learn servanthood. Jesus wants to wash his feet. Peter doesn't want him to. Maybe he got ticklish feet. I don't know. But he, he didn't want to let Jesus stoop that low. But Jesus says, I must do. I have come to serve you. And uh, Peter has to learn that humility of being served and then emulating Jesus' servanthood. And now we come to the lowest point in Peter's life. Having been the one that boasted, Lord, even if they all desert you, I'm willing to die with you. I will never desert you. I wonder if we've said things in a rash moment. We've made promises. We've said things that we're going to do. And then it's all come crashing down around us. And that fire, Peter, Jesus has been arrested He's being tried in an unjust trial. Peter is outside, trying to follow if he can, and he gets accused three times of being one of those, one of those northerners. And we were thinking about the other week. You must know, you, you have the same accent as him. I tell you, I never knew him. Gosh. After all his enthusiasm, Peter is brought down to rock bottom. And that could have been the end, couldn't it? There is the cock crowing. Total and utter despair. Maybe you've come to a point in your life where you've been at total despair. You've, you've really mussed up. Is there any way out from here? Well, the good news is, yes, there is. Because... Of course, we've only just been at Easter celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, at which all of those wrongs are righted. Now, Peter is still the one who's broken his promise. He's still the one who's let Jesus down and, and denied him. But there is hope for the resurrection brings hope and restoration. So first of all, the empty tomb. Peter's uh, one of the first people to go in. Um, you know, he's always, I've got to be in there. He wasn't quite the faster runner as John, but he, but he got there and he was the first to step inside. And then, beside the sea, we have the restoration. Um, I'm not sure which one that is actually, what it's meant to be. I think that is the public restoration in John chapter 21. And this possibly, um, is Peter meeting up with Jesus privately. You know, because we, we have this documented Peter saying three times, uh, Jesus saying, do you love me? Yes, you know I love you. Three times he asks him to, if you like, echo the three times that Peter denied him. But we're also told in Luke's Gospel that the Lord has met with Peter. So privately... There's been a private meeting, which is not documented, uh, at which Peter is restored by Jesus. I wonder what he said. If you've fallen out with someone, or if you've let somebody down, and you have a private meeting, what is said? 
Let's suppose, uh, you know, you've... Um, it work. Let's suppose that you have uh, done something uh, wrong and um, you, you know, you're, you're going to be uh, disciplined at work. What kind of questions do they ask? Well, what lessons are you going to learn from this? Uh, why did you make that decision? What was the consequence? You know, uh, lots of those kind of searching questions that might be asked. I wonder what Jesus did ask him. But we do know in the public restoration what Jesus asked him. Do you love me? Not now, Peter, if you were to do this again, how would you do it better? Didn't say that. Do you love me? And that is the question that Jesus asks each one of us. Do you love me? And of course, the answer is we know that he loves us. Even when we've let him down, even when we've uh, done things wrong, he loves us unconditionally. Peter is here being restored by the good shepherd. Now we come, you wonder when we were coming to this, the reading that Anne brought to us. um, Acts chapter 1, we're in the new chapter of history. We're now post-resurrection. And um, in a few weeks' time, we'll be coming to Acts chapter 2, where Peter is the preacher at Pentecost. This broken guy is now a preacher who's the most successful preacher in history, I would guess, with 3,000 conversions in his first sermon. That is uh, pretty, pretty stunning, isn't it? Because of the work that God has done in him by his Holy Spirit, and Jesus has restored him. But in Acts chapter 1, we see Peter with the, with the eleven stand up. Peter's the one that stands up and starts to offer some kind of leadership. Peter is already beginning to find his feet from the broken man to the restored leader uh, and becomes the rock that Jesus has actually promised uh, that he will be. The one who will, f- who will build up his brothers. That's a promise that Jesus says to Peter. You will be the one who builds up my church and uh, restores my brothers. And then Acts chapter 3, Peter is sent out, not with Jesus with him this time, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and Peter is involved with John in a first healing miracle. In Acts chapter 5, Peter is in prison and he's beaten and, uh, you know, he's frightened. And then the angel comes and they escape to continue their ministry. And then finally, um, just finally in this particular short selection, Peter is the one who has the vision in a dream that actually the good news of the gospel is for all people, not just for the Jewish people, to which we all say hallelujah, because I think that would probably exclude most of us, wouldn't it? Um, So Peter is the one who who has this incredible vision that the, the gospel is for all people. Nobody is counted unclean by Jesus. Now the question is, um, if you were an employer and you were looking to employ somebody for your firm and you picked up Peter's CV, certainly the first parts of it, would you employ him? Come on, how many many of you have been in the business of employing people? You're all a bit quiet this morning. Yeah, You've you've employed people and you look for a CV. Okay, well even you've... you've, um, some of you are in church leadership and you've, you've, you know, you've been in a position of looking for um, you know, a minister and, and you get a bit of paper that says about this person. Yeah, Pete? Yeah, because we all make mistakes. 
So. Yeah, yeah, he answers from the heart and not from the head. You're absolutely right. But let's just take this example. If you only have, uh, you know, the story to go by in the bit of paper, can you make a judgment? Would this person be reliable? And, you know, you have to tick, you know, when I've done a reference for people, you have to tick one to five sometimes. Would this person be reliable? Would they be trustworthy? Uh, um, have, you had a, have you had occasion to discipline this person? Uh, well, actually, yes, I did discipline Peter. Yeah, no, he wasn't reliable. So, you know, uh, Peter's CV does not look very good, but I, I think he'd get full marks for enthusiasm, wouldn't he? It, for having a go. Peter would, would be... But, you know, when, uh, when you ask the question, what risks would he pose to our business if I employed this person? You know, would it be better to go for the safe person who's got a very good, smooth references and everything, or this person who's a risk? I've just been involved in interviewing for a teacher um, at uh, Hambridge School, and, and the, the pool of people that came for the interview were three uh, very experienced teachers and one person who wasn't even newly qualified. She hasn't even finished her course. She's still at college. And, do you know, we looked at all, we went through all the procedures and, in fact, we felt that the person who was new was the person that we were going to go for. And she starts in September. Um, it take, it, you involve a risk, don't you? By taking somebody who's new, uh, you don't know their history, are they going to be good? Well, we, we, time will tell, won't it? You know? Um, we, we, need to, um, we need to say not only the person's past, but what are they going to be like in the future? Could someone who's failed so badly ever be trusted again? The question is, do you love me? Now, when we take this, let's take it away from the business sphere, when God looks at us and he looks at our past, the times we've let him down, I wonder if actually uh, he sees us like this. Maybe you see yourself like that. It's probably, I don't think Jesus does see you like that, but actually uh, I think uh, we often view ourselves as a kind of an old pot with quite a lot of cracks in it. I would personally see myself as a crack pot, uh, and, and you would probably, uh, probably agree. Um, but we are, we, we are cracked vessels, aren't we? Uh, and actually, it talks in Corinthians, doesn't it, about having treasure in, gla- in, in jars of clay. We're fragile. We fracture. Um, uh, now, you, you may have heard this story, but this is a, a story about an Indian water carrier. And this man, uh, is, his job is to carry water. It's unusual, actually. It should be a woman, shouldn't it, carrying water? I mean, very often, it is very often, but this man is carrying water, as was the man with the water jar that Jesus met for the Last Supper, wasn't it? That would have been quite unusual for a man to be carrying a water jar, but in this case, there's a man carrying a water jar, and as he went on the same route every day with these two water jars, he has, uh, one of them has a crack in it. This reflects off the surface, I was in Steve's eyes. The one on his left shoulder has a crack in it. And one evening... Those two jars were sitting down in this man's house and they were having a conversation. 
And the, the one without the crack said to the one with the crack, he said, you're useless. My master walks 10 miles every day to get water. And by the time he gets home, through your cracks, water's leaked out. So you're only half full. So you're wasting my master's time and effort. You're rubbish. You are no good. And the crackpot was very upset. If people told you that, you're rubbish. You would be upset. Um, but you know, um, the next day when they went out and the man filled up the same jars on the same way, as he went along, the one with the crack looked out and as he went along the path, he realised that all along the path, where he'd leaked out his water, flowers had grown. I think that's very significant. Peter had lots of faults. And if we were interviewing Peter and we were simply going by the things that he got wrong, his faults, his weaknesses, or if we judge ourselves only by those, we're forgetting, actually, that God does not choose perfect people to follow him. God chooses crackpots. He chooses people with, with flaws and blemishes, people who have failed, people who are weak. They're the kind of people that God chooses. And the only question is, do you love Jesus? Because he loves you, and if you're willing, if you are willing to follow him, which is the only command Peter gives, Jesus gives Peter the one command, follow me. And when Peter starts looking at John, he says, don't worry about him, you follow me. That is the only qualification. So if you're sitting here thinking you're better than everybody else because you haven't messed up like Peter, I've got news for you. But if you're sitting here thinking that you've completely messed up in your life and you've got it wrong, you're no good, um, then I've got news for you, Jesus loves you. And if you think there's nothing I can do in ministry or mission, you're wrong. He can use anyone.